0: Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. On tonight's episode, we're going to be breaking down an Auburn Tigers victory by the score of 73-66 to 66 over the Tennessee Volunteers who are visiting the number 13 Tigers in Auburn Arena. The Tigers' record now stands at 23-4 and four on the year, 10-4 and four in the SEC. We're going to break down all the action, the notes, storylines from this game, and to do that I brought in my friend and co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, I, I didn't have you on the last episode, but I don't know that you could have stand to talk about the last game.
1: Oh, I have plenty of hot takes, but I promised everyone <laughs> that I was going to give the same effort in the last podcast as the team did that night. So I mm. just didn't even show up.
0: <laughs> now, you didn't show up simply because our schedules didn't line up. You wanted to show up. Uh, the The team's offense and the team, for that matter, in the last game. Uh, that Yeah, they, they were non-existent uh, pretty much uh, through most of that game there. Thankfully, uh, the team did decide to show up uh, for the last part of the second half in this game, resulting in a win. So thankfully, Drew, you and I are not talking about a three-game losing streak. Can you even like wrap your head around how the Auburn Collective would have lost their minds if we had lost three in a row?
1: I think Bruce Farrell would have lost his mind. Uh, I think <laughs> from... What I what I saw about the Georgia game and some of the things that came out after that, and he put a bunch of guys on blast by saying after Okoro, I really I really don't know who who my guys are. Uh, they weren't showing up, weren't coming ready to play, and look for a, a long stretch tonight like that was going to be the case again. But turned turned it around the second half.
0: So let's let's expound on that a little bit here. You know, obviously the struggles started once Okoro went down. But on the other hand, you know they won a couple of games without him, and there have been games with Okoro struggling to score or have substantial statistics in the areas that were used to him doing those things. So in one hand, I would say this team was built to uh, win without him scoring in bunches or doing just significant things. But on the other hand, you, you can't ignore the backslide that happened for this two-game stretch, and I guess we'll count three-quarters of this game, as well with Tennessee. So do you really think that we are built around one player or is there a lot more going on than just missing one player?
1: Oh, there's a lot more going on. Uh, This team missing Isaac Okoro, yes, it hurts, but they are not worse than Georgia, worse than Missouri, not in any stretch of the imagination. With the talent that they have on the bench, the talent that they have in the starting lineup, they are still a top four SEC team. Without Isaac Okoro, the issue is Isaac Okoro gives some energy, plays hard, really sets the tone, and covers up a lot of mistakes that the other guys can commit, and they can get away with a lot more. They can gamble because they know Isaac's going to be there to bail them out on defense. They can—he's always willing to push the tempo on offense, and so you can see we're getting a lot of more fast break points. But Justin Ferguson put this out in one of those tweets after. The UGA game of if we're to believe that these two losses are real, then Isaac Okoro makes up 32 plus points for this Auburn team. <laughs> That's not the case. Like our defense, our defense issues from the three point line have to go with we're biting on pump fakes because our hands aren't up ready. You don't bite on pump pump fakes if your hands up ready. You don't you don't give away just gobs and gobs of threes if you are having your hand up ready to defend the ball. And as far as offense goes, there, there's some things there. We're, we're settling too much on the three. Uh, what happened in the second half today is our big men decided to to play down low, specifically Anthony McLemore, and that opened up the three-point line. But whenever you have four in, one in, four, one in, four out, then you're always going to be crowded on the three-point line. So I, it, it's the little things that we're not doing – but Isaac Okoro was a good enough player to cover up some of those mistakes, but now we can't make mistakes whenever he's not in the lineup. And I I hope this grows this Auburn team to be better with him coming back into the lineup.
0: Let me see if you agree with this analogy. What what I'm hearing is is Isaac Okoro was the Band-Aid to Auburn basketball's wound. Does that sound feasible to what what we're kind of describing here?
1: I I don't think he's a Band-Aid. I think he was the last piston that keeps the engine running. And some of these guys were were being lazy pistons. They weren't wanting to, to <laughs> chug along. They were getting too much in their own game. And it, it, this is still a team sport. There's still five players out on the field or not on the field, on the court. And I mean, you need everyone giving their part. And I, I think getting punched in the mouth against Georgia, like just utterly embarrassed. It, right. it was only a 10 point loss. Missouri, you can kind of, it was just a weird game, but Georgia yeah. was. We didn't show up. We didn't. We never looked like we wanted to play, and so hopefully that thumped somebody in the back of the head and woke them up a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I would say this too. You know, as frustrating as that was uh, at UGA and, and even the Missouri loss, I don't think there have been many other times that we can say that this team has quit. Whatever adversity they fought, uh, they fought through it and had to battle back against some very good teams on the road and and at home, especially. Um, and, and they found a way to win. So I, I will give them credit there, but there are some very frustrating things that continue to surface. their had one of those namely being the offense. And I think with these struggles, you're going to start seeing uh, some questions of where does Auburn deserve to be in the rankings? And so that, that's the next question I want to pose you, Drew, is with one loss and one win on the week, but that one loss looking real bad, Auburn sits at 13 right now. I think it's clear they're going to drop, but how far do you think they drop in the rankings?
1: I think you're looking at Auburn's probably 15. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I go back to Gary Parrish. He does the top 25 and one for CBS Sports. He, he tends to be a pretty good bar of, of where teams are going to move in the rankings. The AP doesn't really vary much outside of him. And so he posts those pretty much every, after every day of games. So it'll be updated today. I, I think they end up at 13, or not 13, 15. Uh, okay. He's only dropped them like two or three spots. I think no lower than 16, I'd imagine, Uh, I mean, the ceiling would be we don't move because basketball's weird this year. Right. Uh, And they understand... Hey, we haven't had Isaac Cora, but AP voters also don't pay attention and don't care, so who really knows?
0: <laughs> who in any of those groups of votings and rankings actually pays attention to these types of things that really play into it? Nobody really. I mean
1: Yeah, I mean I'd hate for people to take the responsibility of their job seriously. How dare <laughs> anyone have to do that?
0: How dare you, sir. Uh yeah, I'm actually encouraged that you you think that would be as far as they fall and that's kind of my hope is that they'll look at the actual context of the situations and uh, hopefully see that Auburn is a lot better when all the pieces are together. Now, granted, if all the pieces aren't going to be together the rest of the way, then you kind of have to question and continue to drop them down if they continue to underperform. But thankfully they did in this Tennessee game. And I'll just give a little bit of perspective for those of you at home that maybe weren't able to watch or listen to the game of how it went. Uh, the first half, it was another back-and-forth affair with Auburn again. And I say this again, again, and again, giving it up a decent lead to their opponent, whether it's on the road or at home this time. Uh, This time to Tennessee, going into the half, almost a double-digit lead. And in the second half, Tennessee got up to about a 17-point lead, and that's where Auburn fans pretty much gave up on it. But lo and behold, Auburn does again. Storms back with around 10 minutes or so left to bring home the win, eventually, by the score of 73-66. to Drew, was there any point during the flow of this game that you thought we were done?
1: Uh Yes, I mean, I, th- I thought coming out of the second half, especially when Tennessee kept growing and growing their lead, and Auburn didn't seem to have a counterpunch. It just seemed the same old thing. I it, it, it felt like we were about to repeat Wednesday and last Saturday. It, that's just really what it felt like. But uh, according to Samir, there was a timeout, uh, one of the media timeouts, I believe, and Bruce Pearl lit them up and said something that he said he can't ever repeat. I don't really <laughs> care what it was, to be honest right now. Like, it, it got them motivated. They played some hard defense after that and really played an energized game. And so, that I mean, that's a team that always needs to show up. I, I don't know whether he finally pulled the ripcord and told them, like, hey, you, you got to grow up or we don't know what's go- going on from here on out. Uh, I don't know what he said. I don't really care what he said, like I've already mentioned, but whatever happened, it it was the right button at the right time.
0: Yeah, I think he needs to have that type of speech prepared uh, for the beginning of every game and every half at this point, especially while Coro's out, to get these guys motivated. And, and you touched on this, the very physical nature of Auburn's play, but I'll say the very physical nature of this game. I got the feel, um, even from the start, that there you know there was Tennessee here playing with a chip on their shoulders, and Auburn, you know, kind of with the chip of, hey, you're not going to come in our house, or at least they were trying to uh, for most of the game, trying to fight that off until they gave up a 17-point lead. But, you know, some things that I even noticed, like Macklemore was in a battle with his guy down low. McCormick uh, was all over uh, his man at times and kind of gave up a couple of stupid fouls here and there. But uh, I just... I don't know what it was going on there, and you can kind of see it reflected with some of the calls, the refs were trying to get the game under control. Just for whatever reason, Drew, Auburn and Tennessee, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in this game.
1: Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're looking at the past two to three years, that's been your battle at the top of the SEC. Uh, Yeah, Kentucky's been around, but really it's been Auburn and Tennessee. And so they've been your biggest threat. They've been your your biggest competition, and – it's just so happened that we've we've ended with them towards the end of the schedule the past couple of years, and so that everything's always ratcheted up. I don't think there's a rivalry, but I think there's a healthy respect of you need to beat these guys because mm-hmm. it, one is a good resume builder, two you need to prove to yourself you can do it, and and three it's you always want to get one over on an SEC opponent.
0: Well, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. I was kind of thinking, is there a rivalry? I don't know that we can say that yet, and and I'd even ask you this, Drew would you say there's more of a rivalry with Kentucky or Tennessee at this point?
1: I, I don't really think there's rivalry with, with either of them. Okay, uh, I think Kentucky, it's one of those that we are working to dethrone them and you're never going to be able to take a blue butt and dethrone them, but you can disrupt them. Right. And I, I really think that's what we're working towards. Tennessee is, they're going to be a good quality team. I don't like Rick Barnes, but he's a good coach. Like I can't deny that. Uh, but I don't think that's a rivalry. I think it's just always going to be a good game, and they're going to be a recruiting battle. But I think Kentucky is the one we're chasing. Tennessee is chasing after Kentucky with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I kind of see them, and I, I don't mean this in disrespectfully, but it kind of sounds that way as a speed bump on the way to dethroning uh, Kentucky. At least that's the way they've been uh, this time here. So let's talk a little bit more about the Tigers, though. Uh, the lineup dynamic with uh, Okoro being out, we finally gotten Danjo Purifoy back into the starting lineup, and I think um, you kind of saw at least a little bit of the flashes of of some what we were used to um, having him back there. Alan Flanagan gets the start in the place of Okoro again. What do you think about Alan Flanagan starting for Okoro? Is that the right w- route to go for you, kind of on the outside looking in?
1: I think it is. Uh, he's getting more confident. I, he had his best game out of his three starts so far, I believe, today. And so... I think he's going to continue to take that step forward. And I, I think he understands, too, his role, especially being a coach's son. Like, he knows when a quarter comes back, he's not getting demoted. He's just going to play his part on the team. So I don't think there's going to be any hangover. If anything, this is going to be a good experience for Flanagan to grow mm-hmm. into this role that he's probably going to be taking over next year, but also just to get more rep and playing time. Um, while is out, I think he's growing into his game. You can't ever stub your nose at having more confidence going into tournament time.
0: Yeah. And if you look at his stats, I mean, they're not something to really get too excited about. I mean, five points. Uh, he did have one rebound on the ninth, giving up three personal pals of play in 18 minutes. Uh, so, but I won't, it's not always about the stats, it's about what you're doing with your time on the floor. And I, I do think that he is earning that spot uh to be the starter there and and I just think situationally that you know Devin Cambridge seems to fit more a lot like Macklemore coming off the bench and contributing that way as a, as a change of pace and energy guy Devin Cambridge gets na- 9 points tonight uh he actually comes in again uh knocks down a couple of three, actually three threes on the night and those were very late as well uh, since we're talking about threes, Drew, what what is going on with our three point shooting? I mean, I knew we weren't gonna be that good this year, but my goodness, we are just struggling to figure out how to go put it in the hole from beyond the arc.
1: I actually think we're a decent three point shooting team. The issue lies Where did you with, get that information? Uh the issue lies we're taking contested shots okay. and we're taking late in the shot clock shots. I think this team, whenever they have open looks, knocks them down more often than not. You see McCormick rise up whenever he's had free moments at the end of the games and drop them. Jamal Johnson, as long as he's not getting a hand in his face, he's pretty much a knockdown corner three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. And Cambridge can light it up as well. Mclemore's good. I think the issue lies with... Uh, I'm going to pick on your boy here for a second, just as uh. an example. He is a forward. Yes, he is a stretch forward, but he spends far too much time trying to play outside the three-point line. We cannot continue to have the f- the four-out, one-end look with only w- Wiley down there because it extends their defense to the three-point line. We need them to be worried about the potential of getting into the lane, all that. And, and the first half was... We were not trying to get to the lane. We weren't working the ball in as much. And what really worked in the second half was working the ball in more. Dowdy getting to the basket. McCormick getting to the basket. All the players getting to the basket. And whenever they started getting to the basket, you see the split between first half going three of 14 from three to the space began to open up more. And we were four of six from three in the second half. I think it I think it relies on how are we playing. I, I, I don't think we're bad at three-point shooting. Because whenever we've gotten the space, we knock down shots. When we don't have the space and where we're consistently taking long-range efforts with a hand in our face or someone up in us or from deep with a a uh, trickling down shot clock, that's when we get in trouble. And that's where most of our shots come in the first half. And over the past couple games, that's where most of our three-point shots have come overall. But when we get the space, when we work the ball around, when we play... With offense the way that we need to, much like we did last year, then space opens up.
0: Well, I think that makes sense of what you're saying, too. If you look, especially how Auburn has missed from uh, beyond the arc, they, uh, you know, these have not been there, they're going in and going out type of things. There was air balls tonight, there were bricks, there were, you know, just barely grazing the back iron. Uh, there were some very ugly looking shots that were contested of just trying to heave up there. And, and it just seems like we've slipped back into that at times, that old. Uh, habit that Auburn had of live and dying by three. Well, this isn't working. Let's hit the panic button. Our best player is gone, and let's just start jacking up threes. Maybe they'll fall in. Uh, So, you know, I I will say this. As much as I've been disappointed with their three-point shooting, I do think you're on to something there where we are still a good shooting team if we're just actually playing with him the way like as you said the offense and the way it's set up to be successful tonight and you know one of those that were really successful with that was samir dowdy 22 points he's the only player in double digits for us tonight there were a couple other players that were close he was three for five from three-point land uh seven for 16 from the field what did you think about dowdy's play tonight
1: i thought he was a little bit on the quiet end in the first half only t- two of eight from the field And Sonny Smith made a really kind of pointed comment in the second half because Dowdy started taking it to the rack more. And he said, he'll foul the whole team out if he would just consistently take it to the rack. Like, if he consistently take it to the rim, he'd foul the whole team out. And I I think that's the case. Like, Dowdy is a very good shooter, but I think he needs to live and die in the paint and taking the ball to the basket. And when he does that, he's at his best. But whenever you see him settling for jumpers, yeah, he was really hot to start off non-conference play, but the games where he's exploded in SEC play, it's been because he gets to the rim and does not settle for jump shots. And so that that's really what I think Bruce needs to keep shaking into him, is you know what? Like, that's where your money's going to be made. Yeah, you're a knockdown shooter whenever you need to be, but if you want your point total to keep going up and this team to keep winning and scouts keep looking at you, get to the basket prove you can score with contact, you can shift around, you can draw fouls. Like that is, that's NBA quality right there. And that's really what's going to get him looked at.
0: You know, I think the thing that Samir struggles with is probably what some other, you know, I'll throw Javon into this too, of trying to fit the mold of last year. You know, I've got to be the Jared Harper in Javon's case. I've got to be the Bryce Brown in Samir's case. And, And no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be, you know, you're your own person you're 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 a different type of player you know Javon has really stepped it up at times when he's taking that mid-range jumper right there around the free throw line you know and Samir as you brought up is doing really well when he goes to the basket and fouling out basically the entire team I mean that's part of the reason tonight even with his three three pointers he had that he scores so many points for us is because he was taking it to the basket so if we can as you said just drive it shake it into them that stay within yourself. And then these other areas will open up. They're going to continue to have success because for the longest time we were, we were screaming, where's our guard play? Where's our guard play? Well, well, it's here, but we've got to have y'all do the things that make us most successful as a team, not just individually tonight. I thought Wiley also had a very quiet game tonight. Uh, he had 9.7 rebounds, but again, there were definite clear times, where I, th- uh, sh- I thought he showed clear dominance and how different of a player he is this year.
1: Yeah i I wish he could have played better today uh because he those hands
0: those hands he was struggling with a little well, bit he,
1: he he started going back to low point in the ball and you just can't you're 6 foot 11 like the lord gave you height for a reason <laughs> D- don't go down among the bushes when you're a tree and uh, i i think he did well in the first half really kind of pacing a little bit he he drew a lot of fouls and uh, i i regret that he did not play better today. I, I think he, he could have. I think he should have. Uh, I know I completely ignored what you were asking me and all that, but, but, <laughs> but no, I was, he, you I know, was what's lamenting funny. about that a little bit.
0: <laughs> what's, what's funny here is I've also been ignoring what you've been saying here because i have just like reveling in the fact that you had like a pearl of wisdom there. Don't go down amongst the bushes when you're a tree. I'm going to write that down and have that like as a quote on my wall now, <laughs> quoted right. by Drew Hooper on February 22nd. 2020. There you go. I mean, how much are you charging for these pearls of wisdom?
1: Oh, I mean, I would hate to get in trouble with NCAA, so I I can't charge <laughs> anything.
0: That was good stuff there. I Appreciate that. Yeah, but no, I mean, you weren't ignoring what I said. I mean, you're just pointing out, you know, while he had a quiet game, the reason for that quiet game is because he was low pointing the ball and and just not doing some things that he was uh, tip that he's typically been successful at tonight. And I think that's the difference tonight in Auburn versus Tennessee. Even without Okoro, we've talked about at the very beginning of this episode, this team is still very good. It is still a top-four team in the SEC, and it is still a top-25 and higher team in the NCAA if they all do the things that they are best at. Samir needs to drive. Javon needs to take the mid-range jumper and dish it. Uh, and, or Austin Wiley needs to utilize his size and his power and his strength. If, they, if we can all play within ourselves these struggles are going to get less and less over time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up tonight is supposedly that Tennessee was the best defensive team statistically in the in the SEC. Now, if you look at point totals and stuff and our performance tonight, I don't, I'm don't. i kind of leaning on did I think they were a really good defensive team or not. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think they're a good defensive team. They, they out-rebounded the crap out of us. Yeah, like, that, that, that says a lot like whenever you can, I mean, they couldn't keep us off the glass on the offensive end a couple of times, quite a few times, but I mean, overall, like to win the rebound battle, we typically get up like 19, 20 offensive rebounds. Like we've been pressing that a lot lately and to be able to keep us to 14, maybe 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Only 15. I think like that's pretty good. Like that's Eight more points that we could have scored off of those four rebounds if we would have got to the nineteen mark or or something like that. Uh, I, I thought Tennessee played well. Like they're a team, I am not looking forward to seeing in a few weeks uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena. Like that's just yeah. it's not a fun place to play. Like they're obnoxious and annoying. It, it's going to be a good game, uh, yep. and so I am. I think Tennessee for the issues that they've had this year, I I had them dead to rights, and right. they. They got a little luck in the second half of the season and got the NCAA to actually do their job and approve a player to go ahead and play. So that that was a big shocker in the world, but it worked out, and they've really done a good job putting together a salvageable season uh, whenever they should have been dead in the water after they lost their point guard.
0: Yeah, and Drew's uh, referring to Santiago Viscavi, and yeah, he is... He's quite a specimen. He made an impact very early and often against Auburn. He only gets uh, 10 points on the night, but man, he was a factor, especially building that beginning lead for Tennessee there. So you can see why Tennessee really wanted him there. Uh, But yeah, I I am not looking forward to the rematch. Uh, They will have an even bigger chip on their shoulder uh, to use against us when we end the regular season uh, there in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'm not looking forward to that. I I do want to give one final shout out to that and that is to the jungle, and they are still undefeated. They are the sixth man at this point. I know I love to give credit to my boy Anthony McLemore, no matter how much everybody hates on him, that he is the true sixth man, but my gosh, I, I don't think this team is would win this game tonight without the support of the students in that fan base. That place was rocking, especially when they felt that comeback start. I, I Drew, I, I know you haven't been to a game yet, have you, at Alberina?
1: Not at Auburn Arena, but I do want to pause you, okay? Because I feel like you're running past something that needs to be brought up right now. Okay. How are you going to leave everyone's boy Jalen Williams out of this conversation right
0: now? My goodness, Drew, I don't, Dude, I don't deserve to be on this podcast ever again. What is wrong with me?
1: I I am in love with Jalen Williams. Oh, and it may just be like I love a hype train. And it has broken away from the cart, and it's going downhill as fast as it can right now. But I loved him in the Georgia game. That's the only thing that you would have heard me say positive about that Georgia game. I thought he played phenomenal for not playing, but bit minutes all year to come in on the road in the SEC and get decent minutes and really kind of show out and show up. And then today, just to see that confidence grow. And to watch their performance, dude went off the backboard to himself <laughs> like it was an NBA All Star game. Like,
0: can we? Holy hold on. crap. Pause there for two seconds. Can we address this? Do you think he actually did that on purpose, or do you think Absolutely. it was just timing?
1: He went too far up for it and immediately was going in for the slam. Like, I, I think he really saw that was my only option. And I've watched it like six or seven times before we got on. Like, I I honestly believe that's exactly what happened. Uh, I just think he is such a quality player. And for Bruce to begin to trust, I've been calling for one of the freshmen. I don't really care which. I have my opinion. But I just wanted to see one of these freshmen begin coming along because I believe we're going to need them in the SEC tournament play because... It's just going to be a lot of games and a lot of days, and then we're going to turn around and play NCAA tournament games. And to see Williams step into the role he's playing right now was phenomenal. Like He is fun to watch, and he's going to be fun to watch going forward. That gives you a little taste of probably one of your starters for next year.
0: And here's what I love about this now, too, is it gives us a good little mix of different size and combination of of skill sets uh, to kind of rotate around. And I'm not saying this is necessarily how it has to work, but, you know, if you, you think about it, a couple of groups here, you've got Austin Wiley, Anthony Macklemore, and Jalen Williams in one group. They tend to be a little bit bigger and can probably be, you know, interchanged with each other a little bit, depending on what the situation is. Then you've got Devin Cambridge. Isaac Okoro, Alan and they kind of fall into that same group. And then you can even throw Jamal Johnson, Turbo Jones, if you ever get some uh, time in with uh, Bryce, not Bryce. Wow, I'm slipping back to old days here. Uh, Javon McCormick and Samir Dowdy. I just think adding him to the mix, first of all, I very rarely question Bruce Pearl on anything, but what are you doing, man? Where has this guy been? (laughs) Put him into the game. I, my goodness, I lost my mind when he, he did that dunk. It was and I'm ashamed of myself, Drew. So thank you for calling me on uh, almost forgetting to talk about that tonight. I, I don't know what I'd do without you.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think he's he's a quality player. I, I really do. I mean the stat line he he stuffed it tonight. and yeah, yes. that's really what you want to see. Uh, he's a forward and he's stuffing the stat sheet. His vision was very good uh yeah. for for a player of his size. He he does well handling the ball. So I, I'm excited to see him grow with that confidence as well.
0: Well, hello, Jalen Williams. And we hopefully this, this is not just the beginning of your time playing as an Auburn Tiger this season and beyond. Uh, Cause it has been in three games uh, that he's been seeing time. It's, it's been fun to watch. All right, well, let's talk about the next game here. Uh, we're heading to Ole Miss. To uh,
1: we're coming to Auburn Arena. You're right.
0: Carolina. Don't even don't. I had
1: look. to go. I had to go to that Hades and watch that game. Don't. You're right. Don't, don't say we're going
0: back there. See, this is the guy that just forgot about Jalen Williams. You can't trust the dang thing I say these days. Uh, we're hosting Ole Miss, thankfully, at home. They are 13 and 13 on the year, four and nine in the SEC. The game is this Tuesday, the 25th, 6 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it on the SEC Network. They are about to or close to start time for a uh, game with Alabama at home for them. So we really can't update you on that. And their only signature win uh, that they have since we last saw them was against Florida. No really true bad losses for them either. So, Drew, we always worry about Ole Miss. How are you feeling uh, bringing them into Auburn Arena?
1: Oh my! Like I, I think if they're not hyped to come in and just smash them, then something's wrong with our team. It, Ole Miss is a good team. They're going to score. Uh, Tyree is a really good ball player. I, I like their big man uh, from Senegal. I think he's going to be a very good SEC player. He, we need to come in and just establish dominance. It has been a very long time since Auburn has just came out, put their foot on someone's throat, and crushed it. Like we need a dominating win, especially going into the rest of the schedule that we got coming up.
0: Absolutely, and as you already brought up, they can score. Usually, that's off the back of Brian Tyree, who's uh, their senior guard, who's scoring twenty point four points per game. Uh, I really look at this this one simple fact, Drew: the defense has to find a way to keep their shooters under control. And if they don't, what you saw happen in three quarters of the Tennessee game is going to happen again to Auburn in Auburn Arena, and it could this time be a, a lot uh, messier of a situation. They also have K.J. Buffin, who's their sophomore forward, 6.1 rebounds per game. That's two players uh, for you to keep your eye on that I had to bring up there. Uh, but the big question, Drew, do we see Okoro in this game? I hope not. I, I don't either. <laughs> I hope not. I,
1: I, I hope he sits. Uh, I think, you know, give him two weeks. That's a standard hamstring type recovery I know he's been practicing went full live practice on Friday but I agree with Bruce he's being very cautious and I think I don't want to take a loss if you take a loss it's a loss as long as you showed up and played but I I think this team still needs to figure out a little bit about themselves yes Uh, put the second half that you put together and go forward and put a whole game together Auburn has not put a whole game together since the or since the UK game
0: Mm-hmm. I, I would say this. I don't want uh, Okoro to play simply with the fact I don't want him to hurt himself and make sure he's fully recovered, but I, I agree more with your second point, that I think it's more valuable for this team to figure themselves out without Okoro, because what happens if he aggravates it again in postseason play? You can't fall apart, or else you're out of the tournament, or what SEC, or NCAA, so... Uh, I think there are several advantages to Okoro uh, not playing, and both benefit the individual and the team. But we'll see what happens uh, this Tuesday night, and we'll update you after that. want to give you a quick update on the women's program before we get out of here. They actually went, uh, uh, hosted, excuse me, um, number nine Mississippi State, and they went to overtime and lost 92 to 85. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about losses with them lately, but If you've been following them, you know that they have played some very good teams very well, which is very encouraging with the young team that they have. And it's frustrating with all the losses right now, but I'm I'm more impressed than I've been frustrated lately with them, especially going to the wire with uh, number nine, Mississippi State. Now, it doesn't, again, get much easier their next game. They're heading to number 16, Texas A&M, on the road uh, this Sunday the 27th and uh, that game will be at 3 p.m central time on espn2 is where you can watch it so that's all we have for this episode before we get out of here drew let's give our contact information where can they find you on twitter
1: you can hate me at drew underscore hoop <laughs> h-o-o-p zero two on the twitter
0: and you can love me i guess if you hate drew um, on twitter at tiger 24 that's all we have for this edition thank you for listening till we talk to you again war eagle